Good morning and happy glorious new year. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I say I am. I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Since before the dawn of time, there has been one God. I'm calling on the God of Jacob. One who has wrestled with the best of us. I'm calling on the God of Moses. One who has rescued his people throughout the ages. I'm calling on the God of David. One who has given his strength in countless victories. I'm calling on the God of Mary. One who has worked miracles in the most unexpected ways. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. When we are in need of rescue, strength, miracles, we can rest in knowing the God of yesterday is the same God today and tomorrow. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. Welcome to our new sermon series. Would you pray with me? Oh, holy God, you are the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of David, the God of Mary, the God of us. And Lord, we offer once more and again our lives to you, that we would grow in our relationship with you this year and make that a priority. Lord, we love you and seek to grow as your disciples And make disciples as we do. All of this we offer to you. And Lord, we pray that the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts, would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock, our redeemer, our refuge, our savior, our newborn prince of peace and king. Hallelujah. As all of God's people say together, amen. Well, happy new year and welcome to 2023. How many of you stayed up last night and watched the new year in? Extra point this morning. (laughs) How many of you have thought of some resolutions for 2023, some things you want to do differently? 
How many of you have already broken those resolutions (laughs) or might do so later this week? (laughs) My sister stopped making New Year's resolutions when she realized she didn't keep them much past the end of January and shifted instead to a practice of picking a theme word for the year. That would be her focus, that she would put on her calendar, on the dashboard, on the refrigerator and more. Last year, her theme word was listen. And for her, that was about being mindful and present to the people and the situations in which she found herself. For her, that meant listening more and more deeply, being more present to her husband, to her children, to her grandchildren, to her colleagues, and most importantly and foremost, to God. This year, her word will be pray. What about you? Have you ever thought of doing that? If you picked a theme word for the year, what might that word be? Listen, pray, harmony, balance, gratitude, peace, simplicity. What would that word for you be? I decided to try it this year for the first time. So the word that I feel called and led to focus on is the word grounded. For me, that's about being grounded and anchored in the only one who holds me up and holds me together. The only one who is solid, that is our forever God. That for me, this means being anchored, staying anchored in God with my feet and my heart and my whole self firmly planted in our forever God. No matter which way the wind blows, no matter what comes down the pike, no matter what life, uh, how that unfolds, no matter what people or life will lob at me to stay grounded will mean the biggest difference. No matter, um, like I said, which way the wind blows or what happens or come what may in the next 12 months, that if I can stay and remain grounded with all that I am, then does it really matter what happens in 2023? What is a new year like for you? Do you look at it with possibilities and just get excited? What's what's going to happen in the next 12 months? Do you look at it with some anxiety, wondering what's going to happen in the next 12 months? Or do you just know there are certain things that will happen regardless? Because most years are a mix of things, right? Most years are a mix of ups and downs and joys and challenges and celebrations and conflict and resolution. And a little sweet tea and biscuits and salad and okra on the side. And homework and kids and PCS in for some of us. And for many of us in our families, marriage or divorce and births and deaths. And gratitude and ball games and books. And all of the time and the new memories that we make together. Most of our lives over the next 12 months will be a mixture of all of those things. And the truth is we don't know what will happen in 2023. Not really. Nevertheless, we can stand secure and be grounded. 
stronger together as one body in Christ, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. The God in whom we are grounded, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of David, the God of Mary, the God of all of us from everlasting to everlasting. This is the forever God whom we need now and need always. So let us begin and end 2023 grounded in this God. How would you describe this God? If you put words to it, if you try to come up with an image, there's a practice I do when I teach confirmation classes and I often will give the students each a lump of clay and ask them to form what God is like to them. How do you relate to God, that relationship with God in Jesus Christ? What is God like to you? And it's interesting to see the different shapes that the students will make. And there's an old story about a five-year-old girl in class one day. And she had a bunch of colorful crayons and she was hunched over and working very intently on something, on this piece of paper, drawing away. And the teacher asked what she was doing, actually, what you doing there? And the little girl said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, honey, that's nice, but no one knows what God looks like. And the little girl said, give me a minute and they will. (laughs) Undaunted. (laughs) A lot of us try to put words and images to what God is like to us. Augustine did that too 1,700 years ago. 1,700 years ago. Imagine that. Back in the three and four hundreds when someone asked Augustine, a long time early father of the church and theologian, to describe what God is like. This is what he said. What are you then, my God? Most high, most good, most omnipotent, most merciful, yet most just, most hidden, yet most present, most beautiful, yet most strong, Stable, yet incomprehensible, unchangeable, yet all-changing, ever old, ever new, seeking, yet having all things. He described God as his life, his joy, his health, and the only one in whom his restless soul could find rest and be, shall we say, grounded. What words would you use if I gave you a pen right now or gave you that little girl's colorful bunch of crayons and gave you a piece of paper? What would you write? What would you draw? How would you describe what God is like to you? Every generation tries to put words to it. And no matter what we say or what we draw, we're only catching a glimpse, right? A glimpse, because what we can see of God is enough, and it's never the whole. Because we only understand in part. And God will always be more than we can capture or completely understand. Thank God for that. God can never be put in a box. As one theologian put it, the more we understand about God humbly, the more we know we have yet to learn and we're only just beginning when we turn to the scriptures 
God gives us ways to think about who God is. In story after story about God's interactions with these different human beings, we learn much, much more about God from Scripture itself. Take the story that Gail read for us today. It's taken from Exodus 3. And in this story, God gives us words to put to who God is. That story takes place, it's both a theophany and a call story. We're going to unpack that a little bit and give it some context. What happens in the chapter before? Moses did something. Moses murdered a man who was beating a Hebrew slave. The Hebrews worked as forced labor in Egypt under Pharaoh in oppressive conditions and were crying out to God for help. Moses witnessed someone being beaten, killed him, hid him in the sand. And the next day he realized some people knew what he had done and he was afraid. And he ran into the wilderness to a place called Midian. There he befriended some women, daughters of the priest of Midian, ended up marrying one of them. That's Zipporah. They started a family. And when our story takes place today, Moses is tending the sheep of Jethro, his father-in-law, out there in Midian. And they've gone even farther into the wilderness. When they get there, there's this burning bush. It's an odd thing. A bush that's burning yet not consumed by the flames. Moses stops what he's doing to turn and look at it. This is the theophany part of the story, right? A theophany is this appearance of God, in this case both audible and visible. And the burning bush starts talking to Moses and says, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I know the sufferings of my people and I have come down to bring them out of that to a better life, essentially. Come, I will send you. (laughs) I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. That's the call part of the story. And then we get to see this exchange between God and Moses. There are lots of call stories in scripture. That's when God invites someone, calls someone to a particular task or vocation. And we see how people respond to that. God still calls people today. In this story, we see the five objections that Moses offers right off the bat to God. I'll give you a quick summary. We learn a lot about God in this interaction. Moses' first objection is, who am I to do that? God says, you're right. What I was, what was I thinking? (laughs) Just kidding. What God really says is, I will be with you. Moses' second objection. If I do this, who will I say to the Israelites sent me? God says, I am who I am. And we'll unpack that more in a little bit. Moses' third objection, no one will believe me. And God says, here are three signs that you can use as proof. Moses' fourth objection, I'm not a very good public speaker. God says, you're right, you are pretty lousy at that. I don't know what I was thinking. Just kidding. God says, I will be with you. I will give words to your mouth. 
the fifth objection from Moses is, please send somebody else. And God says, I'll start working on your brother Aaron. (laughs) He can go with you. It's an interesting exchange. It tells us a lot about who this forever God is. When you do disciple Bible study, one of the questions that we ask of any text is, what does it tell us about God? What does it tell us about human beings? What does it tell us about the relationship between God and human beings? And we learn a lot about all those questions in this passage. What does it tell us about God? What does God not do with Moses? God does not force him to do this. God does not agree with any of Moses' five objections. God does not tell Moses, oh, it'll be easy. God does not tell Moses there's nothing to worry about. God does not placate Moses or give him a pep talk saying, come on, you're perfect for this. You can do it. Because God's not about assuring Moses of Moses' adequacy. That's not the point. Instead, in this exchange, God assures Moses, or at least seeks to, assure Moses of God's adequacy and power in that call. It's not really about Moses. It's about God. It always is. We are human and inadequate and we always will be. For me in the call to be a pastor, the day I stop feeling inadequate to do that is the day I need to stop being a pastor and hang it up. I am always daily, hourly dependent on who God is. And that's why it's so important to stay grounded. Moses' faults, in fact, don't really seem to come into play. God does not draw attention to them. It's not important. God doesn't draw attention to Moses' gifts either. God's call is not about our human abilities. It never is. It is anchored only in who God is and the relationship that we have with God, like Moses and like for us, with God in Jesus Christ. That's how we stay grounded. It's true for Moses. It's true for us. Let's look at that name that God gives Moses to use. It's a play on words, actually. It's a play on the tetragrammaton that we know as Yahweh. Those four Hebrew letters used to represent God's name in the Hebrew scriptures when it was considered too holy to write in full. God is saying, my name is I am, which is essentially the verb to be. That's translated in this form in Hebrew as a present and future tense, meaning now, continuing, never finished, never done. Like being itself or isness. I am who I am. And we can translate it in different tenses because of the way that it's written. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I am who I will be. I will be who I am. <laughs> 
I am the one who is. Essentially, God will be God forever on God's terms at all times and in all places. More than we can imagine. God's name forever and God's title for all generations. And to this incredible, transcendent, completely definable name, God attacks on something familiar for Moses and says, you know me. I'm the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know you. You know me. And I'm the one, that God, calling you to liberate my people. The deliverance of the Israelites will depend on the mighty power of God. That forever God, not any power of Moses, because God's presence with Moses is enough and will be enough. And that's all he needs to know. It's true for Moses. It's true for us. What does this look like in a normal person's life? For some reason, Moses doesn't seem normal to me. (laughs) He's so big (laughs) in my mind. So I'll look at one of my friends. Her name is Deb. She felt called years ago to be uh, going on a mission trip to Haiti with Samaritan's Purse. And she's a nurse, and she's great with people. She has this incredible, deep discipleship. And so she thought, surely God would use all of that when she got to Haiti. And when she got there, they asked her to cook for 80 people. Deb's doing well if she can make toast in the morning. And I'm not exaggerating. And so she and God had a little exchange about this. And she prayed, God, I can't. I can't do this. I can't cook. And God said, you're right. You're lousy at that. What was I thinking? Just kidding. What God said was, I am with you. The great I am. You know me. I know you. We are in this together. I'm the one who has been with you your whole life, and that's all you need to know. And so she said yes, and she did it, and it worked out, and they ate something. All 80 people. (laughs) No one went hungry. Things worked out. She was reminded in that humbly, as we all are, that it's not about making it through life with our own resources and bag of tricks and what we've got up a sleeve or our own repertoire. Making it through life is about who God is. It's always about who God is, the one in whom we can and may be grounded And that's all we need to know. God is God. God will be God. Now and forever, we can't change that. We can't control it. Thank goodness. 
God will be God on God's terms at all places and times without any of us changing what that is. That's the God in whom we can and will be grounded. And we can try to describe God, but we'll always leave something out. Because there's always more yet to learn and always room for all of us to grow in that relationship. Our words will always fall short. God is always more. Thanks be to God for that. So who knows what the next 12 months will hold? Does it matter? Really? God, the forever God, the great I am. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of David, the God of Mary, who knows you and has been with you your whole life, is with you now and with you for all of 2023. So bring it on. Let the new year come. As John Wesley so beautifully said, the best of all is God is with us. And that is all we need to know. Thanks be to God. Amen.